0: Happy delicious Monday to you. This is Chef Marie from M-Chef Burst of Flavors. And today, buckle up because we're going to have a great guest who's going to share with us tips, gifts, and beautiful recipes. So let's go for a ride.
1: Well, we are back once again. My name is Lee Cummings. I am the co-host with Chef Marie of M-Chef Burst of Flavors. No uh, hey, guys. Excellent. So we have the wonderful Rehart Adams here, who is an actor, also an artist as well. But mainly, he's been doing acting for the past, I don't know how many years. I'm going to read some of his accolades off right now, so we can kind of get through some of this stuff. But the, everyone that's listening right now, they are a lot. Let's just go through it. He's born in Melbourne. So
0: talented. I am so excited, Lee. My <laughs> yeah, God.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's Rehart. I mean, like, I got a chance to work with this guy. And he is absolutely just on point always. Born in Melbourne uh, to the first generation Australian, Pakistani, Maltese parents, and the second oldest of four children. We got to talk about that because I didn't know you had brothers and sisters. Is an accomplished actor, having spent his teenage years and early 20s performing predominantly both in the United States and Australia, which is pretty damn amazing. And we're going to have to have you do your American accent because most people <laughs> have Australian accent. But you threw me off hugely when we were in L.A. when we did that casting call the, and the movie for Starlight. Oh, That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, while yeah. training at TAFTA, the Australian film and television company, from 2012 to 2014 and in various schools across the city, performing arts, he made his television debut on Australian soap opera, Neighbors, as Alistair. I'm gonna say, Ron O'Loughlin, is that correct? Yeah, that's right, that was my first. <laughs> oh, really, 2012 2013, uh, I like my first, episode, yeah, that's awesome, man. Subsequently, Rahart went on playing the lead role of Sam Conte, or Conte. Is that correct? Conte, yeah, you got it. TV series on Nowhere Boys from 2013 to 2016, which is almost bringing us very close to us in 2017. For Starlight, uh, Nowhere Boys has won multiple awards around the world, including 2016 International Emmy for Best Children's Television Series. We want to talk to you about that. The 2016 British Academy Film Awards for Best Children's Television Series and multiple string uh, loggies for, uh, also for the best children's television series. Now, currently, let's just talk about the satirical comedy, Emo, which is a musical which I didn't even know you could sing, which is friggin' off the chain. You play a supporting role? Wait, yeah. uh, professional, you're talking about footsie, right? Like, fo- like, like actually like rugby, basically? Uh footy. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a footballer, Rafiq. Yeah,
2: yeah, so I played a footballer with a good friend of mine, well, I played his little brother, a good friend of mine, Firas Dirani. He did a show called Underbelly that I used to watch when I was younger. And I always said to myself that I'd work with him one day. And it happened. I was able to work with him. We're actually good friends now. It's kind of cool. But yeah, I played his little brother on this show called House Husbands back in Australia. I got to work with some pretty like, pretty awesome Australian legends there. It was, it was a lot of fun.
1: That's pretty darn dope. Now, listen, I'm gonna, just going to bring one more thing up. You know, Of course, you were in Starlight, the movie that I co-directed with Mitch Altieri. You were amazing yeah. in that as well. You haven't seen a cut of it really yet. You've maybe seen a teaser. Soon to hopefully have in September, late September, a, a major premiere with like 450 people there and stuff like that, friends and family and cast members. But let's talk about a little bit before we dive back you know, about brothers and sisters and who you are and stuff like that. I know people have seen your accolades and stuff like that, but let's talk a little bit about working with John Boyega. And you played a Jagger pilot uh, as a cadet. Now, what is? How do you say your name completely? Because it's almost like it's Tahima. I can't even pronounce it. Tahima Shaheen. Tahima Shaheem was my character's name on, on Pacific Rim. I yes. played one of the the
2: Jaeger pilots, the cadet Jaeger pilots, new generation of Jaeger pilots to come through. And, and our whole story was that we had been brought into the the Jaeger system, the the whole universe of protecting the world against Kaiju's. From a young age. We were vetted from a young age. Our characters were vetted from a young age and then brought to the barracks to train to protect the world from the kaijus and that, that was kind of where my storyline picked up and along with all the other cadets. There was a few of us and, and that was a, an amazing project to be a part of. Yeah, it was incredible. We, we shot a few months in Sydney, Australia. Uh, we did some things out in LA for VFX and then we shot in Bay- no, we shot in China in Qingdao for a month and a half ish. And that was just incredible. I love filming things like that. It's,
1: yeah, it was well, just I, incredible. I think a lot of people would that are like, you know, budding actors in Los Angeles or, or across the world. I mean, you were able to be in something that was so huge. I mean, what was that $150 million budget film or something or 190 or something like that it was crazy. Something crazy, <laughs> <like that. laughs> Something crazy like that. Something crazy like Super big. And you've got, you know, I'm a Star Wars geek and stuff like that. So I'm geeked out about the fact that you work with someone that's in part of the series, John Boyega, of course. Um, He's a really nice guy, by the way. That's what I hear. John
2: Boyega I his sister so awesome. Like, so awesome. He people. John. Looks John, like it's fun working
0: well, with you. Look at your bubbly
2: personality. <laughs> everybody loves I, you. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs>
1: You know what? Um, I will say this. He's very bubbly on set, but, like, Rehart is very, very intense, and he's a wonderful actor to direct, because I remember, like, a scene with Rehart, you know, being with them, I said, Do you freaking kill somebody before? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's tell me, tell me more. I'm pushing around and stuff like that, you know, and he's that kind of actor. He's not someone you, gotta you gotta have get to have. Get, get into it, before. man. you got to get, get into have, it. You know, you don't have kid gloves, and I love that about, well, I can get be super visceral and super, like, macho with you and then you get into the scene and into the role what's happening right now uh okay yeah rehart is always always working i always see him i can see you working and i know that i'm so glad you didn't die because you're gonna be back for part three which is gonna be amazing you know <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you know he didn't die he okay. uh, so. Two. so i don't want to jump because i i'm super adhd so people you can follow me i talk really fast pacific Rim 2 rehart got hurt if you haven't seen it but he didn't die, which means he's back for part three. So I, I'm pretty stoked about that. I know he's back because you've said you, you, you're back, but I don't know if that's... <laughs> <laughs> you see, man. You know you know how this
2: sort of stuff is. like. It's not happening until it's happening.
1: Well, that's true. You're right. It's not happening until it's happening. But, yeah. but at least with all things being said, with the universe, of course, blessing you with the uh, amazing that you already had. I and mean, I didn't mean to jump over what you you were talking about. I was just so hyped about being able to push you around and talk to you about you know you're a real actor i mean i i really love you know and enjoyed working with you because of the fact that i could be in that theatrical realm and then kind of push those film elements with you but you're there you're, right. you're always there can you talk a little bit about the process of you getting ready for a role before we go back to everything else to enhance your barbecue meals desserts and cocktails flavors united for the best foodie experience ever sprinkle a little magic spice to your everyday dishes Coupon code of 15% off is two one three two nine two mc www.mchef.com.
2: My process is kind of different for every role, depending on what the character needs, depending on what the character is and, and who the person is. Like different roles call for different things throughout my career so far I I haven't had a huge long career yet but hopefully it it progresses and it's a very long prosperous one but at the moment I've been lucky enough to play a bunch of different characters that have called me to do uh, lots of different things in in terms of preparing for a role when I prepared for Emo the musical it was the satirical comedy that we shot in Melbourne Australia that was Incredible fun, and I was almost hesitant to take the role because it was something that I'd never done before. Satirical comedy at the time didn't feel like something I could do, it, it didn't feel like something I was capable of doing, and I was really nervous to even go in the room to audition for it. My dad just said to me one day, He's like, You've got to attack what you're, you're afraid of doing, otherwise, how do you know what you're, you're, you're capable of? I said, All right, dad, went down and did the audition, and I was originally going for the lead. And then when I was in the room, I had rehearsed one set of sides and one character. But when I was in the room, the, the director and the producers just gave me a script and said, hey, we really loved your performance and your song, but we actually think you might be better suited to the bad guy in the movie. We, we actually think you'd be more suited to play that guy. And I said, oh, okay, what, what's his name? Tell me a bit about the character. They're like, his name's Bradley. He's this badass emo kid. He's the lead singer of this rock band. At the school, and we really think you'd be good for that role. Can you read the sides right now? <laughs> Can you do an audition for it right now? As a cold read, and I said, sort of, "All right." <laughs> and so I did it, and then ended up booking that role. But the, the process of creating that character was was actually quite a long one. I never really listened to rock music prior to that role, so I had to dive deep into rock history and and really research front men of famous rock bands and, and rock personalities and really sat down with the director and the producers and, and kind of shaped this character from the ground up, all the way from the nail polish that he wore to the specific jewelry that he wears and eye makeup down to his posture and the way he plays his guitar and and what makes him tick, Who which characters play certain roles in his life. That compared to people in my own life, it was kind of an easier way to relate to the character in that respect. I could relate certain characters in that script to certain characters, my characters, actual people in my life. But yeah, that, that was the process for creating Bradley. I had to dive deep into an area that I had never explored before. And it was a lot of fun doing that kind of stuff. Because at the end of the day, I could just switch off and go back to Rahat.
1: And then the next morning, switch on, go back into Bradley. It was fun. Mm. That's interesting. You uh, share a common <laughs> chef Marie. She's done what, like nine albums or something like that? She plays piano as well and sings. No way. Yeah. Nine albums? Maybe more. Maybe more. Am I? That's am incredible. I am I wrong, Marie? <laughs> six. Six. Well, <laughs> six. You're, you're four, 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 Your guest definitely yeah. probably do three yeah. more. But she sings and plays piano. She's a, a pianist, so like like yourself. So That's crazy. Yeah playing playing piano
2: is just a, a long a lifelong hobby of mine i've been I started playing when I was like five or six years old so i've just kept playing whenever there's a piano around you'll catch me on it
1: Wow
0: to do everything that you are doing all this detail work you know because you really dive into your roles each time but this is a methodology of life you know this is the way you're disciplined this is the way you work but if we go back into where you were playing piano when you were a kid, and how were you as a kid? Um, how was, like, did you have an imagination world? Were you very strict when you were learning? How were you?
2: <laughs> when I was a child, growing up, specifically piano, whatever else I was doing at the time, I was lucky enough to have a mother who really pushed me to pursue creative arts, really pushed me to pursue the things that I was interested in at the time. And she would really like make me sit down and and rehearse and make me sit down and practice. And if honestly, if it wasn't for her pushing me to pursue these things, I wouldn't be doing them right now. She's been the biggest support system for things like piano growing up, things like acting and the, the creative arts. Same with my father, both incredibly supportive. But I'd have to say that my routine as a kid was very based upon the way my parents lived their lives and and they were very how do I say it ambitious and and very determined in the way they pursued everything so it kind of rubbed off on me and I was very determined to pursue a lot of things I can't when I was a kid I don't know if you were the same way but I would do lots of things and I'd get to a certain point where where I'd be at a certain level of competence i guess you'd say and then i'd be like ah okay i enjoyed that On to the next thing and then i progressively just kept doing a bunch of different things until i found acting yeah. and that just became my thing after that but as i was a kid it was kind of whatever system i had in place came from my parents they really pushed me to do
1: so they were your biggest supporters or your support network i mean like what as you you matured into a teenager and stuff like that of course you're, you're not very old at all so you're very young but What was the process of, were you in Australia? I mean, I'm just trying to get a sense of, for the viewers, or excuse me, the viewers, but just the the listeners, what was the process of, as you'd matured from, let's just say, 10 to 18, what were you, like, doing what? Give me some... Interesting question. During that period, a lot of happened in my
2: life, big big changes. I guess it started from moving out of the inner city suburbs when I was a kid to the outer city suburbs. And it was a complete different up. When I grew up, I was basically like, I grew up in the post 9-11 era as a child. And as a young Muslim, that was kind of, that was pretty difficult because I didn't understand nor fathom what was going on, like at all in the slightest. And, and having to move schools to an out city suburbs, school two or three times, it was pretty rough, you know, getting into fights all the time. and into tons of trouble, but then that, that was from, what, 10 to maybe 15, I was moving around different schools, I went to a few different primary schools, a few different high schools, and then during that time, I was actually breakdancing, and I was in a, a hip-hop dance group, and we went to Vegas for the World Hip-Hop Championships in oh. 2015. Wow. Um, I wasn't able to perform though because I almost broke my back like two weeks before that, so I had to pull out of the competition, but I still went to support the crew, you know. And then from there, after I hurt my back, I think that was like 2015-ish, I started to take acting a lot more seriously because I still wanted to be creative and I still needed something something like an outlet to express myself, some kind of outlet, physical and creative. And so acting was, was the next best thing, the dancing. You know, from there, that whole 10 to 18 period, once I hit about 15, I, my career started, and after my first gig on Neighbours, I got Nowhere Boys, and the rest is history. After, after Nowhere Boys, working with those guys, we didn't know at the time like where the series was going. When we were shooting the series, we were just kids, and we had no idea how lucky we were to be working with such amazing people. We had no idea. We were so green. We were so new to it all. Uh, we had no idea how lucky we were to be a part of this world at the time. I'm pretty sure I can talk on behalf of all four of us that were the leads of that show. We, we completely almost like didn't even realize how blessed we were to have that opportunity. But from there, I booked a Nickelodeon TV show that we ended up filming in Miami. And so I moved to Miami when I was 17. Yeah, I moved there when I was 17. and kind of grew up there, I guess, I guess you could say, went from a boy to, a, to an older boy or a, or a younger man, I, I don't know, what, what, what is that, like, to a baby adult, I went from a boy to a baby adult in Miami, then from Miami, I went back and forth to Melbourne, because I was still filming Nowhere Boys at the time, I would film a season of Every Which Way, then film a season of Nowhere Boys, season of Every Which Way, and then another project, and it kind of took me all over the place. It was, it was a lot of fun during that period of time in my life. Uh, we went from Miami to L.A., then L.A. to New York, New York to Canada, Canada back to L.A., L.A. to Melbourne. A few years of my life where we were going, or well, I was going back and forth. There was no real place that I was settled in until now, 23 Until now, now,
0: you found your anchor?
2: Yeah, I like to think so. I feel like I've been in L.A. for three years now. Living here for three years
1: you now, and so it's been
2: amazing, it's been beautiful enough to stay, that's for sure.
1: Hmm. You know, I wanted to say something, I don't know if you want to talk about this or not. You don't have to. I kind of gather, listen to your story, and I'm always trying to find other smaller stories and microcosms that are inside of your world. That people might not understand. Growing up, when I grew up in, here in the States, and not like I grew up outside, but I lived in Germany for a little while because my dad was a, in the military. And I came to the States and Presidio which was really cool before Disney, the Disney now owns Presidio or they bought it from George Lucas. But the part was for me is that whenever I went to, I was the only black kid in every single class and someone was always going to say something crazy. So what was your craziness? You talked a little bit about, because I think people will say things about people of the faith of being Muslim and stuff like that. You know, do you speak Arabic? I never even asked you that. Do you speak Arabic as well? No, so I the only language I speak fluently is is English.
2: Okay. Both my parents only speak English too, but the rest of my extended family speaks Farsi, Arabic, Urdu, Pashto, and I didn't, I unfortunately, didn't get to learn any of that. Okay. I wish I wish I learned. I wish my grandfather told me a bit, but he was more concerned about his kids and his family assimilating and uh, being more Australian because he didn't want it to be hard for them to grow up. Yeah, in a new country, <laughs> he didn't even foresee the future political climates that that we currently live in now. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But yeah, growing up, like you said, you said you were the only kid in your school and in your grades and stuff. It was, I, it was kind of similar to me in, in the way that there was only a few Muslim kids in my area, like at all, and I was the most ethnic kid by far. Yeah. In my like in my class and in my grade and I didn't even comprehend that at the time. I didn't understand at the time why I was different mm-hmm. to everyone in their eyes, why I was different to them. I copped a lot growing up because of my ethnicity and my name. Mm-hmm. And although I may not look a certain way for people to classify me as exactly. Muslim or Middle Eastern or European or whatever what have you, it really did separate me from and the rest of my kids, the rest of the kids in my grade. But that's high school, man, like yeah. primary school and high school. Kids are cruel. They don't understand the world yet. I don't really hold it against anyone at all. Like all that stuff that, that I copped when I was a kid, like I used to pop a lot of pointless racism and, and all that kind of stuff that I don't really pay attention to anymore. But back then it was, it was, yeah. it was a lot. Yeah, Because you know? I guess these, these kids were just products of their own environments. And and they were just kids, so I don't really hold it against any of them. Very nice.
0: How did you cultivate your imagination, your creativity, and your joy when you were a kid? Is music help you through this, or any other passions you have?
2: Oh yeah. So I was I was really lucky uh, to grow up in a big family. When I say big family, I mean my whole extended family. We all lived pretty close to each other and we would spend almost every living moment together. My, my, my cousins grew up next door to me. My other cousins live down the block. My other cousins live a few blocks away. We all lived really, really close for a long time. When I moved schools, when I moved away, we all stayed really, really close. We still are to this day, but I used to listen to music to get me through the tough times. Anything creative was, was a really great outlet for me. Anything creative, to be honest. Uh, music dancing, you know, getting to connect with people on that level does away with all the differences that everyone classifies themselves as being different to one another. When when you get into a creative space, all those sort of things just disappear. And so it was a really nice avenue for me to be in and a really nice atmosphere to be a part of when you needed to get away from the crazy growing up high school era. Forgot what the question was.
0: It was about how to cultivate your joy, but you answered it beautiful.
2: Oh, that's right. Yeah, cultivating my joy through family. That was that my point. <laughs> I, I, I cultivated my joy through family, and they were always very supportive of my, you know, my creative. Yeah, the, those two are
1: very close. That's awesome. Guys, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back from the commercial break, we're going to hear more about Rohart Adams and his dealings with a movie called Starlight. and his audition for that we'll be right back find m chef top quality herbs and spices on amazon all filler free 12 allergy friendly low in sodium kosher vegan www.mchef.com okay and we're back with Chef, burst of flavors. We have the wonderful Rehard Adams, and my co-host, Chef Marie. Okay, so let's. I'm gonna just go back a little bit and talk about the first time I met you for Starlight. Myself, Jeff, and Cheryl are in a room. Jeff head is knee deep, and Cheryl are looking up who's most famous, basically, on the <laughs> laptops. As so you came in, it's, it's bright lights. Myself and Mitch are sitting there. I'm probably 45 pounds heavier for sure. Mitch has <laughs> a beard. I've got a beard. I shouldn't be wearing a beard because my ex-wife was telling me I look fat. No, I'm not fat. <laughs> my face look, oh, because I am fat, you know? So, it's like, yeah, hey, you yes, Anyway, Rahard walks into the door, bubbly, for the lead, for Dylan, but he reached for Dylan, and as soon as he starts talking, I'm like, I'm blown away, I'm like, wait, where are you from? Like, I'm Australian, I'm like, okay, so I'm like, look at everybody like, how's this gonna work? And then you start to speak into your lines, I'm like, oh, I'm <laughs> an American accent, which is not, People do that, and I know I'm being really stupid by saying but it was an amazing, just, you switched it off quickly, man. I mean, was that hard? I mean, explain what was going through your head when you walked through that door and you see all of us. Well,
2: so auditions for an actor, pretty nerve-wracking most of the time. <laughs> a lot of the time, it's, it's a job interview. Like, at the end of the day, it's a job interview. You're walking in the door, uh, trying to win people over and get them to hire you, basically. But for us, it's like you want to work with, People, you enjoy their energy. I make a point of walking into rooms like that one where I met you, Cheryl and Jeff and Mitch. You know, just myself, being myself. And, and I feel like that's done me well in, in the audition rooms. But when I walked into that specific audition room, man, I was just excited and pumped to get it done. Every now and then you get a project and, and you read a script where where your nerves get the better of you and you either run away from it or you attack it. And it was one of those moments where I felt like I wanted to attack the nerves that were coming to me. When I met you guys, it just kind of all just went away. I just, I realized, oh, it's good energy. Everybody here is here to create a project and nothing else. And it was, it was a lot of fun walking into that room. And then when we had the, uh, the chemistry reads and everything too, my mum was actually there. She was in the, she was in the waiting room. That's right. Like she only gets to visit every now and then. So it just, it was really lucky that she got to come to the audition. You know, she hasn't done that
1: since I was a kid, so it's kinda nice.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: did you hear much about about us or about the project or about Jeff or I mean I'm sure, you know, did you we, did you hear from Paul Ruddy? I think Paul called you or, or called your agency or something like that for an audition. Yeah, yeah.
2: So it was all through my managers and stuff. But of course, always do my due diligence. I always before I walk into a room, right. try and get an idea of, of who who I'm meeting what they've done before so I have some context. and So I don't go into a situation completely blind, even though sometimes that is my my play, just go and be myself and see how things go. I think when I went in the room for that, because that was like 2017, when I went in for the room for that, I definitely knew how, who everyone was. Like, I walked in there knowing every single person, not personally, but as, as much as IMDB and, and as much as Google can tell and I'd uh, seeing the work that everyone had produced before. And that's why I was excited to be a part of it because yeah. I'm a big fan of indie filmmakers and, and indie filmmaking in general. So it was, it was really nice to be a part of that project from the beginning, from the get go.
1: Well, how was your experience? And I mean, we spent, well, you spent probably maybe about 25 days or so in Kentucky. And I, I mean, I've never really talked about my experience there, but how was that for you being in Kentucky? Cause that was like, for me, I was blown away. I mean, like it was just, Crazy. It different for sure,
2: man. I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. I think that's one of the best things about what I do for a living is that when a job calls for you to film somewhere else, take it. You go and experience what that culture is like. You go and experience what that area is like. And I've definitely never experienced anything like that before. I mean, because where we were filming, where was it again? What was that What that town called? Mayfield. It's Mayfield, Kentucky. you.
1: Yeah. I can picture of you on my iPad that either with you with the gun because we were doing some special effects and stuff like that, which you will be blown mm-hmm. away because the monster looks ridiculous. Like
2: I can't wait and, to see that monster. Feel so
1: bad for the girl because you can't even tell who she is. I mean, like the, <laughs> I'm telling you the three D rendering and when she takes an axe and then you can take the axe. Well, I won't spoil too much, but <laughs> but, but man, I think scary. Was,
2: I think it was a lot of fun, man. I, I really, to be honest, you know, I've only really seen metropolitan america and being able to go into that area of the world was really nice and and just the sunsets in kentucky were beautiful man we we were lucky enough to be filming during autumn where all the leaves were beautifully orange and red and yellow and there was just a, like a beautiful calm energy everywhere i went in kentucky
1: mm-hmm. it was freezing man
2: come on you're being nice We, oh, you're, it. Right. you're right it was freezing cold and there were
1: no ubers and i couldn't get anywhere I, know. I do <laughs> We shot, like, a summer movie in the wintertime for our listeners, and literally, I remember being 24 degrees outside, shooting the outside scene with Cameron, who plays Dylan, and it was just absolutely just, I mean, it was wintertime, and we supposed to, the scene, you know, you've got the Hawaiian shirt on, it's, I mean, if we had to do that outside, you guys were freezing. It was awesome. I really enjoyed my time there with you, but I'm glad it was cold because snakes, they have, you know, guys, these in the South, they have a lot of big bugs and a lot of snakes everywhere. And I'm not oh, yeah, yeah it's the same for Australia, I guess, too, as well, but in California, not so much. Chucky was no joke. There
2: were tons of bugs. Like, that That was no joke. No joke. They're like,
1: you don't want to touch that. I'm like, what is that? Like,
2: yeah, if- I was like, trust me, I'm Australian. Don't touch that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> that bug is, awesome. don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's so awesome, man. Chuck Marie, you always talk about, we always talk about on the show, Heart about life and balance and I guess inner work. Has there been I guess, and I'm gonna steal her question that she asked sometimes But what gets you out of bed right now? Like I know that there are projects and stuff like that, but being creative for me, it's like being in service. Sometimes for others and with directing. But for you, what is that? What's the bigger picture for you? Your life five years from now. You're making it. You're doing your thing. You know, you've done some really big projects. You've been with and Matrix. You know, with Keanu Reeves and new one or something like that. I mean. What? imagine being a yeah, matron. Be I mean, that's great, but what drives you, man? What gets you up in the morning? I mean, I know it's something, but what is it? I
2: it's, a, it's a mix of a lot of things, man. To be honest, it's a, it's a mix of a lot of things. And I've got to say it's different on different days. But right now, uh, it, it's a lot about bettering myself as a creative and not just in the sense of acting. I do want to get behind the camera as well do some directing, some producing. Acting is not my only interest and my only forte. Very, very interested in directing one day and getting behind the camera, making some projects of my own. That's what's getting me out of bed in the morning right now. Also, just living life in, in general is really good for what I do. I'm getting up and experiencing new, new things that I'd never experienced before. I'm, I'm always excited to do that stuff. I get up and, and think to myself, what am I going to do today? I'm gonna do something different. Call up my friends, see what they're doing. Whether we want to shoot something, whether we want to just go explore and maybe get some ideas, or write some things down, creative projects, write some scripts, and just shoot it on the fly. I, I guess the things that get me up in the morning is myself, is, is the vision of being a better me, and then getting to where I want to be. It's, it's kind of a turn on to me, is just to keep going and keep going, improving myself, right? Improving other people wrong and a few certain people right you know what i mean there's a few certain people out there who've always been like rahad i know you're going to do something big one day i'm always watching your stuff i'm always looking out for you and i'm always supporting those are the people i'm doing it for right now yeah also myself yeah that's the Mm -hmm. stuff that's that's huge that's huge do
0: you have a special ritual that you do
2: yeah i go through phases so It's depending on like, obviously, this is the thing about being an actor is that you don't have a set schedule and it's so hard to explain because when you live in that creative realm, uh, for me anyway, I feel like I can't put my whole being into anything creative unless the rest of my life is in perfect order. I'm like emotionally, professionally, health-wise and happiness-wise. If those things aren't aligned and working well, I'm not giving myself the best chance to put my whole being into being creative. So right now, my morning ritual is getting up, making my coffee, taking my dog for a walk, doing meditation, and then just getting straight onto my laptop, doing my emails, phone calls, whatnot, getting business out of the way, hopefully before like 10, 11 o'clock. And then once that's done, I've got the whole day free to go and do whatever I want. Sometimes that's Earlier on in the day, I get everything done. Sometimes I won't even leave my chair until I have to go to bed. Like it's, it's super different every day. But right now, morning ritual is just that. Getting up, taking my dog for a walk, drinking my coffee, making my breakfast, mm-hmm. doing
1: some meditations, all that kind of stuff, being thankful and grateful, and setting my day right. That's wonderful, man. You know, being in gratitude, as I spoke before on the show, is probably where a lot of people... In the world, to start and uh, you know the meditation is so wonderful. But if you can't be grateful for the smallest things, which is like just being here, being well, well enough to either move your arms and if you have one arm, being grateful for having just one arm, whatever that might be, absolutely. To get gratitude is always the perfect place, man. I I love that about you, and I can feel that energy from you when I first met you, Rohard. You've been yes. such a light and such a, a great person to know, and I know that we're gonna continue on being friends and hopefully to be working on. The new project which we were edging Jeff on about oh. Jeff. and Jeff thinks like I think Jeff wants to do it. Uh, Mitch is totally down as always, you know. We call him the Bear right? I'm super the Bear. excited. It's a great script. Yeah. Yeah. Not gonna
2: lie. Lie. I love the concept. So I'm, I'm hoping things get picked up soon because I want to shoot it soon. Yeah. We
1: wrote it for you, man, actually. Um, Jamal wrote the <laughs> nice. Wow. I showed you picture awesome. I sent you a photo of our I'll send it to you, but it's our the lookbook? The lookbook. So you're in the look. Did you see that photo that I sent? That was you. The lookbook. Yeah, yeah, for Gail. So, so it's really good stuff. Anything else that I mean, before we go to the recipe with with Chef Marie, but anything else that we'd like to impart on budding <laughs> people that are actors and actresses or creatives just in general, that any sort of words of wisdom that you could leave them with, yeah. uh, as far as that's concerned. Yeah, absolutely.
2: I mean, I'm by no means in any kind of. I don't claim to be a, a role model or anything like that. But if there is anything I can part onto my peers or those in the creative fields is you need to learn not to beat yourself up about things. Mm. Being creative is not necessarily a winning thing every single time you do it. Yes. Uh, right. Time it's a very slow and painful process, but once things start working out, they really start to work out and it feels really good because you put all that work into it. That's a good advice.
0: Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah. It's like going to it feeling one way. And if it doesn't go that way, people tend to beat themselves up and forget about being grateful and thankful and gratitude and all that. They forget about it. And they go into this snowball effect of, of summoning negative energies to themselves and, you know, as long as you're staying grateful and positive, I, for me anyway.
1: Not for, for you, but for the rest of the world. The world would be a much better place. And we have to start calling people out on that stuff. So you know, don't be shy about that, Rahard. I think that not just for you, but for everyone in this world. Myself, Marie is such a light as well, like yourself. We have to hold people accountable now for those kind of things. We have to be grateful. When someone's not saying, like, hey, man, I'm not going to be upset at you, but guess what? We have to be grateful for those things. It took me 48 mm. years, Jeff, and you and Mitch to be at that and, and Cheryl to be at that place to even have a you know kind of a direct debut I shot some other films that didn't do much, but it took a while, you know. And it's just part of the plan of the universe slash God to allow me to be in that place of gratitude, saying, "Hey, man, you know this is what it, where we're at," and and meeting you. So yeah, no, I'm holding people accountable now, and you're right. We have to be being certain- be for your own happiness. Yeah, absolutely.
2: You absolutely. know, and I feel like when you live when you live life with happiness being your priority things start to shift and things start to change for the better at least in my experience Absolutely. Mm.
0: you are so gorgeous and you're beautiful you're, you're glowing you know you're good. <laughs> Thank you you. Good. Oh, what does. do you eat
2: what, what are, a, what a, like a nice compliment at 9 o'clock in the morning that, like, like, <laughs> <laughs> you feel so what do good you about. eat um, what, what do I eat You know what I read the other day that eat your food as medicine or one day you'll have to eat your medicine as food and I've really tried to adapt that into my everyday life. It's not easy because a lot of the times fast food and unhealthy things that I've grown up eating are just so easily accessible. Like comfort foods are so easily accessible. I'm trying to at the moment like change my comfort foods to things that are healthier because the current comfort foods that I have in my, uh, my routine, it's just so It's like, just so unhealthy. I think the reason you think I'm glowing is because I always just eat food that I enjoy eating. Like, like, <laughs> that's good. That's always been a, I've always eaten good. No matter what situation I'm in in my life, eating good has always been the biggest priority in terms of living standards. I grew up in the hospitality industry, my whole family being restaurant. I grew up with food in my face
1: constantly. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys, Rahat, thank you so much for the wonderful interview.
0: Thank you so much. Um,
1: of course. We'll go to, before we go to your Annadale story, we have about 10 minutes left or so. Chef Marie, do you have something that you can impart on these wonderful people? So what Chef Marie does is that whoever the guest is, she makes some sort of crazy dish. So go ahead, Chef Marie. What do we have today? It,
0: well, yes. because uh, you are Australian and I'm sure that you enjoy Vegemite.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do,
2: actually.
0: Well, it's not about Vegemite and it's not a recipe about that, but I call it the Australian Mite Brain Food Booster.
2: Uh-oh. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs>
0: So it's super cool. It's kind of a shake that you can have like at the beginning of your day, just right after meditation. Super easy. Avocado,
2: mm. coconut milk, of yep. course,
0: but not butter. I always love to integrate a little bit of almond butter into the shake. Nice. Nice, a nice. A
2: few drops of MCT. Oh, yeah.
0: MCT is the way to go on huh? right now. I mean, I'm on keto. I put MCT everywhere. I feel very happy. Oh, yeah. So I said, I'm going to put MCT on your recipe.
2: A good friend of mine what? is on the keto diet right now, and he loves sure. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a good friend of mine, Zach Wolf, he, he talks about it, and, he, and he, he says great things about the keto diet. Right He's doing we
1: love it, dude. We love Yeah, it. you guys on the keto diet as well? Yeah, that's how I dropped all this weight, man. Like, I don't know. I saw some pictures, dude. It looked. Crazy. I mean, if you saw me and life, you go, dude, bro. I mean, I was so heavy. So, I mean, man, it, I need to get on this keto diet. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, it, it saved me, man. I mean, like I, like I said, I was about 240 pounds when I was with yeah. you. I'm 205, 203 now, and you know, oh, was, holy dude, crazy.
0: And, <laughs> he's doing it. He's making he it
1: happen. Yeah, so. yeah, and
0: he eats all types of good fats. Though, yes,
2: yeah, nice. that's that's the that's the difference. Absolutely. Wait, was
0: that, wait, so I'm going to get back into that Australian mite.
1: Okay, so. Sure. Brain
0: food booster.
1: On, yes. So we've
0: got avocado, coconut milk, MCT, almond butter, and then because I'm sure you like chocolate. Oh, yeah. I had to add a little bit of cacao powder into this to bring that <laughs> color.
1: Nice. And then, of nice.
0: course, PB, the peanut butter powder. Yes, I mean, oh. it's just so amazing.
1: Yes, absolutely. Ooh, that so sounds like a you, nice thing
2: to have in you know. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. That, you're right. That does sound like something I, I want to have right after meditation session. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or after
0: breakdancing, right?
2: Oh yeah. I wish I could still breakdance and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I can. I still can, but I can't do the backflips anymore. I can't do the head spins oh. anymore. I just don't. I don't even think my body's like flexible or capable
1: flexible. of do that <laughs> <laughs> well so uh, that's th- the recipe so that's a brain booster correct
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's a. am sorry it's a 350 calories but, okay. you know you can go along the day with that 20 uh, grams of carbs and 35 grams of good fats so perfect. I think it's
1: mm-hmm.
0: a good start
1: nice. we will break for a second and we'll be right back more words from our sponsor. Chef Marie's Food Guidelines on Exquisite 100 French Recipes Cookbook, Low Carbs, Gluten-Free with Vegan Alternatives is launching this fall. Stay tuned, reserve your book on our website. And we're back again but the wonderful Rehart Adams and my wonderful co-hosts, gave us an awesome recipe for the brain booster, which will be on our website. You can also find us on IG by and Chef
0: Spices, yes, IG.com.
1: And if you don't understand IG, that is Instagram. And Mr. Rehart Adams, where can they find you on IG? Just at Rehart underscore Adams. Same Rehart. on Twitter. Not the original Rehart underscore the original, because a lot of not. Time, not, not
2: all bad. my stuff has got the blue check mark next to it, so you know it's me. Hey, like that's how you know me.
1: That's great. It's perfect. Blue check mark. You guys, you heard it here first from this man right here. So last thing we do is two things we do. We do a quote, but before the quote, do you have a funny story to share with our listeners? Yeah, yeah, I guess I do.
2: Since we were talking early career stuff and getting to America earlier on in, in, the, in the talk, one thing popped into my mind of when I booked the role for well, not booked yet, but I got a chemistry read audition for the role I had on Nickelodeon. And at the time, I didn't have a business visa to get from, to to work or even do meetings in America from Australia. And so at the time, Nickelodeon was like, hey, we need you in America next week, next Tuesday. And I think it was like a Thursday or something like that. Like, hey, we need you in LA on Tuesday. Can you do it? This could be really big. And I said, without even thinking about it, of course, I'll be there. What do I need to do? And (laughs) I'm 17, by the way. I had no comprehension of how much work needed to be done. I just said, yes, I'm going. I'll be there. Don't worry about it. And then I find out I need to get a business visa. I'm like, okay, shouldn't be too hard. Boy, was I wrong. Um, So uh, I found out that I had to go to an American embassy in Australia but it turns out the one in Melbourne was booked out for months. The one in Sydney, another state over, was booked out. And the only one with an available appointment the next day was in Perth in Australia, which is on the other side of the country to where I live. And so I was talking to my parents and my parents said, you have to fly to Perth tonight, go to the embassy the next day, get your business visa, then fly back to Melbourne so that we can go to America on Tuesday. So... I'm like, all right, let's do it. Me and my mum, we fly to Perth. We go to the American embassy, but she can't come in with me. And so I have to go in there completely blind, not knowing what to do. And so, <laughs> and so I go in there just being myself. I'm like, hey, guys, I need a business visa. They're like, what for? So I'm an actor. I work on TV and movies in Australia, looking to make TV and movies in America. I've got a job prospect that I'm actually going for now, and that's why I'm in business visa they're like okay okay you had the two three hour long interview or whatever and then at the end of the the meeting or the end of the interview at the embassy in Perth they said okay we need your passport I said okay great they took my passport and they didn't give it back and I said hey guys is like this meeting good like do I get to keep my passport because I have to fly to America next week like Monday or Tuesday or something And they're like, "Uh, sorry, no, we can't give it back to you. We have to keep it for the weekend. And if you get approved, we'll send it to you, express post, and there's no way you can check up. You just have to wait for it to arrive to your front door. Wow. And I was like, "Uh, okay, that doesn't seem right. But okay. I leave the embassy. My mom's waiting downstairs. She's like, hey, did you get it? I said, I don't know. I don't know if I've gotten it. She's like, go back up there. Go back up there and get your passport. I go back up there and me, I obviously don't know that like the embassy, the US Embassy is considered part of the US. Right. Just in a different country. And so I go in there, security's really tight, and they're like, Oh, we just saw you like ten minutes ago, what are you doing here? I said, I just need my passport. Like I'm taking a flight. I actually need my passport.
1: Okay. And I said, We're we'll already
2: giving it to you. We will kick you out and not let you into the country if you come back. And I was like, No, you no, know, just let me talk to the officer. And they're like, All right, whatever. I went talk to the officer. They're like, "No, you don't understand. You can't have your passport." I go back down to it to my mum, and she's like, "Well, I guess there's nothing we can do. We just have to pray that you get the visa and that it comes back in time for you to catch your flight." And so, two days pass. I go back to Melbourne. It's a long weekend. I, I can't remember what holiday it was, but there was a, a public holiday on on the Monday, and I was planned to fly it on the Tuesday. So I couldn't even get my business visa even if it was approved the day before. The only way I was going to know is if I got it Tuesday morning and no one was picking up their phones. The embassy doesn't pick up their phones to the customers if they're just looking for postage information. And so I had to call the the post office, the postal company who was sending my passport to me. I rang them Tuesday morning, the day I was supposed to leave, and said, hey, my name's Rahat. Uh, I have a package coming in for me this morning, I think. Can you check to see if there's an incoming package with my name?
1: So this is my, This is crazy, man. Uh, this story is so awesome. So did you actually go down to the postal office or whatever it was? Yeah, so it's about, I don't know,
2: like three, four in the morning on that day I was supposed to leave. And we hadn't booked the tickets or anything. Like it was all based on whether I got my visa or not. I just said to my dad, Actually, no, he said to me, we need to go down to the the docks. We need to go down to Port Melbourne to where the mail comes in and we need to go to the the guy who works there and just ask them. So we said, okay, we go down there at about four in the morning. There's no traffic. Everyone's still asleep except for the postal guides. We get there and we sit there in the for about 45 minutes. Thank God it was like relatively close to the airport. (laughs) We get the package and it's the moment of truth. I open up the package. I'm like, dad, this is it. Like, we need to see if I've gotten this. Like, it's all leading on this. I open up my passport and boom, I got it. And I'm like, yes, I got the visa. We didn't know up until this point. And now it's go, go, go. Wow! It's like, ring your manager. So I ring my manager. I'm like, Mike, Mike, I got the visa. Book the tickets. We need to go. Now we're on our way to the airport. The flight is in an hour and a half. Wow. And so he's like on it. So he's booking the flights. And then, because I have a crazy long real name. It's something like seven names. I won't repeat it on here. I don't want people to like, look up my real name and all that kind of stuff. This crazy long name. When he booked it, he first booked it under Rahat Adams by accident, which is not my real name. Rahat is my real name. Adams is my real name. And I get to the, the counter and I'm like, this is my name, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and like, we don't have that. We have a Rahat Adams. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's me. Is there any way I can still get onto this flight? And they said, no, you need to book it under your real last name. Like, oh. So I call my manager. I'm like, Mike, you booked it under a hot Adams. You need to rebook it. And he goes, oh, my God, I'm sorry. He answers okay. the flight, rebooks it, and then spells my name wrong. So the second time I had to call him back and say, Mike, bro, come on. Like, this is no joke. I, the plane is boarding. Like, I need you to book it properly. And he goes, oh, man, I did, but I spelled your name wrong. Finally, we got it. And wow. uh, one of the, how one did of the you get away with this desk. one? <laughs> oh my God, I couldn't believe it. God. And, and the, the lady behind the desk is like, they're boarding right now. So say bye to your dad and we're, g- we're gonna go right now. I'm just gonna take you through the customs and we're gonna run you onto the plane. This is at like eight o'clock in the morning by this point. Wow! And I just did a quick like, love you dad, bye, like I'll see you in a few days because I thought I was only going to be there for like three days to do this test and fly back. It was one of the first times I'd left the country on my own for an extended period of time, and I went completely unprepared. And my dad was like, all right, okay, I'll I'll see you in a few days. I said, all right, love you, dad, bye. And I hadn't eaten breakfast. I just got on the plane left, and I'm like running my lines in the plane. I finally get there. Next thing I know, I'm in the, the audition room at Viacom Buildings and they're really interested. And they're like, hey, we want to fly you out to Miami. You haven't booked it yet. Even though we're filming in Miami, you need to get your O-1 visa now. A completely different visa. We can't legally say that you booked it until you get your O-1 visa. But we're going to fly you to Miami for costume fittings and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, so did I book it or not? And they're like, kind of, but we don't know until you get the visa. Oh, man. So I spent another three weeks in Limbo when I had only planned to be there for three days. I spent another three weeks wow. in Limbo in Miami. And then while I was there, I hadn't been away from home for longer than like a, a week on a school camp or something like that. You know, my family, my friends were super tight. Like we would hang out in the neighborhood all the time. And all of a sudden I'm away from all of that. Miami, to me, didn't feel like, America because I was only used to LA and it was a whole different culture. It was a whole new lifestyle that I hadn't experienced before. I wasn't coping well with it. I just wasn't. I was like, I'm going home. I don't care about this stuff anymore. I'm going home because I don't know anyone in this country. I don't know how to speak Spanish. I was really stressed out. I'm like, I don't even know how to cook for myself at this point. I don't know how to live on my own so my dad flew out and he came and looked after me and really settled me in. And then we got the phone call that I got the business, that, that I got my O-1 visa, just in similar fashion. As soon as I found out that I had the, uh, which is a, another completely different story, another long story of how I got the O-1 visa, but it happened pretty quickly. Three weeks is like a, a magnificent turnaround. <laughs> wow. And as soon as I got my O-1 visa to actually work, I went straight to set. As soon as I found out, they're like, "All right, we need you to start working now." (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you
0: really made luck on this one. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. But it's all good now. I got got my green card now, so I don't have to worry about any of that stuff.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's so great. What a wonderful journey and start to a great, great life and great journey of who you actually are, Chef Marie. What's yes. your part on this situation as far as like a wonderful quote from you?
0: Mm. This quote is from uh, Robert Kennedy, our beloved Robert Kennedy. So uh, the quote is, only those who dare to fail greatly can ever achieve greatly.
1: Oh, wow. I,
2: <laughs> I feel that in my, my soul. <laughs> Me too. I really do. I feel that
1: in my soul. We continue, what a,
0: continue, you know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> what, a, what we'll an know. uplifting and hope-giving state to give. That says a lot about where I think maybe we all are, just in general, just people in life. Like, I dare to continue to feel because I looked at failure so, such a polar opposite of looking at it the wrong way, which is like, you know, the more I feel, the more I become and know myself what I can actually accomplish in my own life. And to look at, say, the, I mean, I felt plenty of times, you know, and. And I'm here, but I'm grateful for those failures immensely from marriages to whatever else. Well, marriage. But yeah. mm-hmm. myself, like me, not doing what I needed to be in order to be in this position that I'm in right now, to talk to wonderful people like yourself, you know, to be a part of you know, Chef Marie and M's, uh, Chef Spices and our line that we have, and this is show itself. So it is that's that's an awesome quote, Chef Marie. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's thanks. so nice
0: spending time with you today, my God. I'm very thankful towards our conversation, and I'm sure that it's going to fascinate and help even a lot of people who are listening to us today. You give them the drive to confront so nice. fears. So. Fears are friends, you know. Fears, it's not something negative. Fears are part of our drive. Yeah,
2: it's an, it's a natural human mechanism. That. Yes, it
1: is.
0: Yeah. You're glowing.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Thank um, you. Yeah. <laughs> it's so nice.
1: <laughs> blossoming into an awesome, awesome young actor, as well as singer, as well as just a, a, a great human being. My heart has been an absolute pleasure to interview you today. And I know that goes without saying, from my co-host, Chef Marie, as usual, you guys are very insightful and very a pleasure to both be talking to you at all times. Thank you so much for this interview.
2: Thank no you, worries, for
1: you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man. Oh, you guys,
2: they
0: long live to your career. We love you. Can't wait to see you again on Starlight and see you again on Pacific Rim.
1: Yes, uh, thank you. Appreciate that. Bye, you guys.
0: Bye.